webmasterradio.fm log into the feed and linger in the lounge cover story cover a story or attain that coveted story get it that is exactly what you want quoted as the expert the story headline the spin every week join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public your public craft your image promote your products create expert status become the buzz join us with the pros pr 101 crisis management media blitzing it's all here on cover story we're reserving a headline for you hey everyone welcome to this lovely wednesday afternoon in this edition of Cover Story, I'm Brandy Shapiro-Babbin. We have an exciting guest on with us today. This is a part two from Tim Cheneau, uh, who is currently, he heads up PR over at um, FriendFinder Inc., which is a, a great place for you to go and meet a significant other in your life or uh, f- find a romantic inclination. Uh, they're a great company, but also um, Tim's expertise really um, is in so many different areas. He's worked on a lot of big branding campaigns, um, both with with helping to mold and uh, expand the brand of people, as well as um, specific venues. And he's been able to work with really large budgets. Um, so it's really been uh, it's really been terrific having him here last week, as well as having him back for part two this week. So I think we uh, do we have Mick back. I sure am. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was off in the. Uh, in the twilight zone for a little bit or something, but that's okay. It's good to good to be back. <laughs> you know, I'm like so not in the mood. No, I'm glad to have you back. I'm like so today was just like not the day for me to be like, hey, let's just roll on, <laughs> roll with the punches, branding. I need my Mick here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could you could uh, run the show by yourself. No, I, I mean, then no offense, Tim, but I don't even think Brandy needs a guest. She's 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 got so much information, but uh, it's all the better when we can we can add a little bit of spice and learn from some other experts like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> she she could just interview herself, and people would learn a lot from that. I, I believe it. I, you you said it very very succinctly. I don't think it could be said any better. <laughs> Nick, I tell you what. Why, why don't I uh, buy you lunch, and we'll, we'll head out now. It sounds like a deal to me. You know. Have fun, Brandy. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I wanted to actually get up when uh, when we first started doing this. I wanted to get up in the middle of the night if I couldn't sleep and start reading a book. Wow! Just, like from some book that I was reading, and see how many people would just be interested in listening to a book. Um, I think they'd be much more interested in listening to me read a book than yet talk nonsensically about myself. But wow, Mick. So I'm into you for a really big favor now. No, <laughs> I don't know, but I'm, I'm like indebted to you. No. All these kind words. Well, hey. Crazy hey, boy. If, if I'm going to have people be indebted to me, I may as well be good people like yourself. Oh. That's all right. People I, people I can work with and like working with. I love that. Well, you know, I have such a, a fondness in my heart for you guys. I mean, we really... Um, thought very hard and strong. We'll do this. Will be our love fest uh, conversation here. <laughs> but it's true. We really thought <laughs> the producers putting in sound effects. But we did. <laughs> we thought long and hard. You know, a PR show is so important. But who should we get to co-host the show? And really, the the finest people in the industry is PR Web. So we feel really blessed um, that I get to co-host the show with you. And you know, normally David, of course, yeah, David's um, absent again today. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have to talk to him. So we'll have to. We'll, so he sends a second string in, man. He sends me. <laughs> well, hey, that's okay. That's okay. I like being on his uh, on his lineup. He's he's good to work with, and yeah. uh, he's a man that's uh, many talents and and uh, 
many many different tasks, but uh, just of course today, you couldn't tell. The weather got the better of them. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But you know <laughs> what? We're here, and we're here with Tim. It's part there we two. Go. It's part two of this very special, uh, you know, program that we've got on Tim. So last week, Tim gave us a lot of awesome, awesome information. But I think what we're going to do is sort of start off focused and uh, start talking about crisis management. And I'm just going to like sort of throw it out to you, Tim, like that, and just let you pick it up. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's very funny. I, I plunged into my, my first crisis without having uh, any real knowledge of, of crisis management. Uh, actually, what was interesting is, uh, on a, this is a number of years ago, on a Friday, uh, I was living in Las Vegas. I had been to a PRSA luncheon, and the topic was crisis communication, which was my introduction to it. And the speaker spoke for about 15, 20 minutes. That Monday morning, I was uh, you know, awoken by a phone call at 6 a.m., and it turned out one of our clients, which ran a, uh, a chemical plant uh, in a suburban area of Las Vegas, had had a major uh, leak, uh, a release of chlorine gas. So, you know, two, three days after that 20-minute session, I, I tried to remember everything I had uh, heard and, and put it into, uh, into action. And, and the, it was sort of, it was very interesting uh, and uh, experience. The uh, chlorine gas uh, leaked out of the plant. Uh, now, in general, chlorine gas is not uh, toxic. People don't uh, die from inhaling it, but it causes some, some pretty miserable effects uh, for people, <laughs> for the elderly or children, people with respiratory problems. It, it can cause some respiratory distress. And uh, so uh, as a result of that, they evacuated, uh, in, in fact, uh, I think something like uh, 50,000 people. Oh uh, they evacuated God. the whole area around the plant. They shut down a number of schools, and the uh, the cloud from the chlorine gas was visible as it sort of made its way across the valley. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a pretty pretty uh, pretty big news, uh, as you can imagine. Uh, all of the uh, the TV stations were there live, and all the reporters. And I got the call from our contact, who was the plant manager, uh, and we in fact couldn't get to the, uh, you know, into the plant, of course, it was, it was cordoned off. So right. I threw on some, some clothes and, and, uh, and a gas out mask. The door. <laughs> yeah. I had to actually stop in the office because this was the, in the days before, uh, everyone had a cell phone and there was one at the office I knew I could use. Oh, uh, wow. So I stopped okay. and picked it up and we ended up meeting, uh, I think the first right decision was that we made our temporary command post at the, uh, command post and evacuation area uh, that the police and fire department had set up. So you were showing that you guys stand beside the community, that you're here, you're not going anywhere, and that you're visible and taking responsibility for things. Um, exactly. I mean, on a very sim- on a simpler level, we knew that we needed to find the media, uh, and we knew that that was one location where they would all be together. Okay. Um, but we we knew that we wanted to uh, start communicating. Our, uh, you know, our concern about what had happened uh, uh, through the incident. Uh, I got there, and uh, the president of the company, who happened to uh, be in town uh, from Houston uh, for a couple of days for a meeting, was there. And he and I, and, and one or two other people, quickly uh, drafted a, a short statement for him. Um, and, and we didn't, of course, know much of what had happened. We knew there was a leak. We didn't know why. Uh, we knew the plant had a good safety record. We didn't know the what the effects would be of the chlorine gas beyond the you know basic knowledge of scientific knowledge of what happened. Right, but let me ask and, you a question, and I apologize for interrupting sure. you. But how did you? I mean, because you get woken up, 
and this mm-hmm. is your first time to handle something, I mean, this is a pretty big something to handle. How did you figure out the best way to sort of position the company and, and draft your statement? Like, how did you collect that information so that um, you knew how you wanted to present the company? Well, you know, uh, one of my uh, strengths, I guess, is, is that uh, I have a background in journalism. You know, I was a newspaper reporter. Uh, and I, I jumped into PR, uh, had jumped into PR a few years earlier with no real additional training. But uh, I think, you know, whether you are a reporter or uh, on the PR side, you, uh, you know, you come to understand uh, what the key messages you're going to communicate in general are. Um, we, we very quickly, as we were putting the statement together and then as we continued to draft communications, we, we made a strategic decision, and that decision was to communicate that we were, if not victims, we were also affected by the chlorine leak. Okay. Um, that is, we wanted to, uh, from a communications point of view, not create an adversarial position of us versus those who were affected by it, but rather put us into the same boat. Uh, we didn't know what had happened. We assumed that it was, uh, you know, some sort of, random accident uh, not caused by negligence or uh, or malfeasance on any you know on the part of the company uh, that this was simply something that happens when you have a, a plant producing chlorine gas and that uh, the effects on the company of course would be the plant was shut down for a you know long period of time all of the employees of the plant were affected you know the, the company was affected uh, in terms of knowing that they had had this effect on others um, what also allowed us to do that is the knowledge that, uh, you know, quite frankly, that people were not going to die from this. Right. Um, <laughs> that people might end up in the hospital, uh, in the emergency room, but they would be, okay. you know, treated, given oxygen, and, and being able to go home. Uh, so, so right from the start, we have, of course, one of the basic rules is that you, um, you know, you don't apologize uh, in a way that makes it look that you like Taking you were to blame. blame. Right. Right, uh, and that's you know that's a basic mistake that people uh, sometimes make. Uh, you know, after a crisis, uh, they feel bad about it, and they say, "We're you know we're sorry that we caused this." Right, uh, and of course, very quickly as a as a PR practitioner working on a crisis, you are going to be working with uh, some kind of attorney, and uh, and and the attorney will tell you if you haven't already figured it out that you can communicate a lot of things, but you certainly don't want to communicate that you uh, caused the incident right. and that you right. did anything wrong. Right. Uh, so, so we we, un- we understood point. those basics, and the first statement that we put together was fairly brief, because we simply didn't have a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Um, and based on that, we we gave it to the president. He read it a couple times, and then we gathered the media up. They immediately, of course, began firing questions at the president, um, and I I got to step in and and sort of play bad cop and and say, you know, he has a statement he'd like to read, uh, and then he can answer questions, you know, based on whatever information we have which was very smart because he made that statement and uh, it, was, uh, it was what made the, the news uh, when they were looking for uh, Sound bites the and, reporters yeah. uh, were putting their packages together later and were looking for their five, 10 second sound bite. They took it for the most part from his statement. Which is, uh, which then is he great. answered questions, but of course, because we didn't have much information, he wasn't able to, uh, to put together a whole lot. So we were done with that. We had given the media what we could and of course, it, we're in this it's a, a grade school, and there are people there who are just hanging out. You know, they've been evacuated, 
And, um, you know, I suggested to the president that he might want to take off his jacket and his tie and uh, walk around and, and talk to some of the people. Excellent idea. Uh, right. Continue to extend your arm. We're all one community. We're all in this together. Exactly. Excellent. Excellent. Exactly. And, you know, making sure that he, uh, you know, as you can imagine, this is a, I won't name the company, but a major chemical concern uh, and uh, with, you know, Oh, name the company. Everywhere and so on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, of course, showed up in probably a, you know, $2,000 bespoke suit. Right, right, uh, right. <laughs> which, you know, you, you don't really want him wearing on camera greeting people who were evacuated from their home wearing slippers. Right, exactly. <laughs> so uh, he went around. Of course, uh, I, I stood far back. Uh, I didn't want it to look like we had set this up. And without uh, inviting the media to do so, they fairly quickly started following him around. So that was on the news tonight that he was, you know, that night that he was out there uh, meeting people, uh, extending his hand and saying, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, sorry that you, for what happened for the evacuation. I uh, hope you get back home soon. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, that but, I care. I'm sorry? Like, that I care. Like, my, my business is incorporated into your community. It, and, like, exactly. I took the time. It was fortuitous that he happened to be in town. Right. You know. I mean, you know, ultimately, uh, public relations is about uh, your audience, whatever that audience is, having a positive emotional response to you. Um, and, and so many times the companies fail on that count uh, because they're, they're more concerned with their uh, words or their legal issues uh, or uh, some uh, mistaken sense of right and wrong uh, rather than being concerned with how they're perceived on an emotional level. That's an excellent point. You know, Mick, a couple of weeks ago, um, Tim, we had on um, a gentleman from Vochecom, and sort of the focus of um, Voce Communications, I should say, and one of the focuses of that show was really talking about sort of new ways of doing public relations using blogs and how people now are promoting themselves. Like, let's say, you know, he used an example of a new company. I think this is an excellent point. He used an example, um, of a new company, and what he did was said, hey, we're in beta testing, you know, and, and sort of filtered this through all of these blogs that were in this certain marketplace, and just said, you know what, it's not perfect, we'd love some feedback, we'd love to see, you know, like, if you even think it's worthy of being, you know, going past the beta stage, what do you think? And his thing was, when, especially in nowadays, I think from where you're speaking about, things were a little different, you know, mm-hmm. um, but nowadays, I think people, because we're so with that, that reality TV sort of phase, People like the, the sort of, um, you can make mistakes and it's okay. The more human you become, the more fallible you are, the more likable you become in the long run, the more you can almost champion people. I think some, uh, Absolutely. I mean, I think that, that's sort of, uh, you know, we were, you know, I think we were hoping that the company would be perceived as, um, as people rather than sort of a faceless corporation. Right. Uh, and one of the things that we, continue to refer to were the employees of the company. Uh, you know, we made sure in our communications, whether it came from the president or, or in general came from the company, that, that the communication said, you know, all of us, all of the employees at this company, um, you know, feel, you know, are, are you, know, uh, you know, saddened by the, yeah. the incident. Um, you know, we wanted to make it clear that the, uh, and I forget how many, but let's say a couple hundred people who, who worked at the company were a part of the company, and they were also a part of the community. Right, and, and potentially could have been evacuated as well. Right. 
Exactly. And in fact, you know, were, of course, the plant was shut down and they were taken away from the, uh, from the plant. Yeah. So, within a few hours, uh, the, the cloud had essentially dissipated uh, from, <laughs> from the valley. Um, and one of the, uh, you know, people at this point were, you know, were going to the hospital. And one of the things that, uh, that we did, uh, and I can't take all the credit, the, the president of the company was, was very bright on this, was um, we, uh, the company, called all of the emergency rooms in the Las Vegas Valley and said, basically said, here's our credit card number. Uh, if anyone comes in uh, complaining, uh, you know, of any effect from it, uh, you know, they're not to get a bill. We'll, we'll pay for it. Very now, good. the company did uh, ask them to, to sign a waiver, um, <laughs> which I understand from a legal point of view. Mm-hmm. However, if they didn't sign the waiver, we still picked up all of their medical costs. Really? Mick, that's yes. interesting, huh? And I mean, these were, again, people who, who came in, had a little respiratory distress, needed, you know, needed oxygen, needed to be seen by a doctor, uh, but, you know, certainly didn't need long-term care. Um, but but it, was, uh, it was an expensive proposition, but I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and tell you that the outcome, I believe, of the, um, the PR efforts, not just mm-hmm. my PR efforts, but of the company, um, resulted in... Um, a judge ruling that there were not enough people uh, making claims against the company to certify a class action lawsuit. Fabulous. So the company, in the end, was able to settle with uh, individuals who filed claims and lawsuits, but there was never a class certified, uh, and, and that, of course, was you know was the biggest fear of the company. Right. I also will jump ahead and tell you that uh, the, the initial investigation uh, showed that there was a, a, a leak in a pipe at some point uh, in the plant, and, and there was a, uh, some procedures were generally followed, uh, but it wasn't clear you know, what caused the leak. Okay. Later, and I think this was almost a year later, it turned out, uh, and I'm, I'm not making this up, that the leak was, there had been a, a small leak there, and one of the workers in uh, trying to stop the leak had um, put an old sock in the pipe. Oh my God! Yeah, oh an my old sock God. in the pipe to stop it from from leaking, uh, which it effectively did for a short period of time, <laughs> days a week, and then the sock failed. <laughs> you think? <laughs> so uh, that was, uh, but but luckily this was again a year down the road. The story was was no longer right. front page, and even this story. Uh, was was sort of buried on page three. So, I mean, and, and I think the point, you know, um, and then we're going to go to a quick break, but I, I think sort of in summary, um, the inspiring part about this was, at the end of the day, no matter what, this was something that was not going to be a positive scenario for your company, mm-hmm. but you had the ability to go in, assess a situation, minimize their risk, mm-hmm. minimize right. the damage that had been done, and sort of, you know, clear them through, um, you know, sort of a... Um, a dreary, you know, forecast. And you did. Because at the right. end of the day, it's never going to be like this PR coup in a positive way. You know what I mean? But you, put, right. you, got them, you got them through where they needed to go through, and you did exactly what needed to happen, which was make sure that they weren't in a position to have a class action suit against them. Right, exactly. So, exactly. So that's... Uh, and I will say just briefly, I just want to touch on one other thing that we did. After the incident, uh, within a few days, we put together uh, a print ad and a TV spot um, the print ad was a letter from the president of the company, and the TV spot was him in shirt sleeves, sitting somewhat casually on a desk, talking right into the camera um, about how he and all of the employees of the company felt 
um, you know, saddened by this incident and that you know, the company was committed to uh, ensuring that, that uh, you know, something like this never happened again. And that commercial, uh, and we only ran it uh, once or twice, but it was also picked up by the local TV news stations. Right. Um, it had, I think, a very positive effect. Yeah, I mean, it's you guys, you really, you covered all the bases. I think this is great, great information. Um, and speaking about great information, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with Cover Story. And uh, go check out our awesome advertisers. WebmasterRadio.fm, the destination for education and entertainment. Over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Study show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well-written, informative content. High-quality content also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearch media.com today so they got pretty good food here huh? huh listen i just got a new check from a program i joined oh yeah what effective cpm are they paying you pass the salt not sure they just send me a check not a detailed breakout are you joking no there's lots of ways to make money but you need to be the master of your own destiny with value click media i instantly adopted a national sales force that delivers recognizable ads with high cpm payouts mm. plus their new interface lets me control the ads i want to run and mm. tells me how much i earn from each advertiser wow and that's how i'm better pass the pepper wow Wow, thanks for the tip. I'm going to give ValueClick Media a try. Join the ad network publishers trust most. Apply today at ValueClickMedia.com. There's nothing quite as rewarding as feeling in complete control. To experience this level of power on the web, visit BlowSearch.com. Let us give you, the search engine advertiser, what other engines simply don't. Complete control over your pay-per-click advertising. Blow away your competitors' IPs today and select the sites you want to receive traffic from while accurately tracking your ROI with BlowSearch.com. BlowSearch.com. Finally, pay-per-click search advertising you control. Tulsa to Tunisia, Boston to Bogota. All united through webmasterradio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to this very special edition of Cover Story. This is Brandy Shapiro-Babin, and I'm joined with my uh, handsome co-host, Mick Jolly of PR Web, and today is the uh, part two of our time with Tim Cheneau, who is an expert in public relations, and this show, uh, we are going to be predominantly focusing on crisis management, as you just heard in uh, segment one. Welcome back, Tim. Hey there, Tim. I'm here. Oh, great. Yay. (laughs) We're all back. Hey, are you able to hear me okay, Tim? Are you fine? Excellent. A little bit earlier, I wasn't sure. (laughs) All right. Excellent. So, all right, but all right. So now we've got one example, and I think that that's, um, I think that was an excellent example that you gave. You know, the 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 chemical gas spill and um, the the turnout was positive. Is this company still in existence today? Uh, It is. Uh huh. They're still in existence, of course. uh, A long time ago. I'm I'm not uh, not don't have any connection with them. Not doing any work for them, but they are. Are still there. Uh, interestingly, they were. Uh, there were other ongoing uh, uh, issues that we were dealing with, and uh, one was that this uh, this plant was one of four plants built in a, a complex um, uh, during World War II outside of Las Vegas, uh, probably you know 10, uh, 10 miles outside of the city center, uh, to build materials uh, uh, for the uh, for the war effort. Uh, unfortunately, flash forward to the eighties and nineties, and 
uh, suburban development had uh, surrounded the plant, and all of the people who had bought homes, uh, you know, uh, a quarter mile from the plant, were now calling for it to be shut down because it was a threat to them and their children. Oh, God. So, uh, you know, that was an, an ongoing uh, ongoing challenge. There was, in fact, an organized effort to uh, to shut down these plants that. Uh, you know, predated the uh, the developments, the homes there by many, many years. So, uh, you know, you... as a homeowner now, I can tell you that you know I was aware of the the risks, uh, you know, the neighborhood risks when I bought my place, and unfortunately, uh, and not everyone has that same attitude. You know, Tim, you brought up a, an interesting um, thing though here a little bit earlier because too often it seems like companies are letting their their legal department quarterback these kinds of incidents. You know, all worried about. What the what the cost of litigation is, and, and you know that's really something that we're, that public relations can be a powerful tool in, in turning around. Because you mentioned, you know, you have employees that work there and their their families, their livelihood, and I don't know, it, it kind of brings about a uh, a sense of responsibility or community caretaking from the public relations side of the house to ensure that that continuity of of, of an opportunity for those people to also have a have a home and, and a livelihood. That uh, Make you know, the legal real. department doesn't always weigh in. They they might say, well, you know, we we want to avoid the long term issues here. Let's just uh, pull out, or let's just you know settle early, or whatever it is. And uh, you know, anyway, there's very good points you made there. You know, uh, PR. When you have a crisis, you know, you 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 really have two teams uh, that you call in. One's your PR team, and one is your legal team. And um, you know, in an ideal world, the two of them work together and and uh, craft compromises. In a less than ideal world, and I, I think we see this around us uh, uh, fairly often, uh, the legal department wins out. Right. Uh, you know, the legal department is, uh, you know, in general going to argue that uh, the less you say, the better, and, and perhaps if you say nothing at all, that's, that's from a legal point of view, the, the best thing you can do. Right. Well, that's um, their favorite. You know, they're, they, they're all afraid of that big L word. Lawsuit. And oh yeah, very good. And liability, yeah, the two right, L's. There's a couple of them. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Both of it, yeah. Well, the, the challenge for a company too is that uh, when the when the attorneys tell you, uh, you know, don't say anything uh, because we'll be sued and we'll be liable and we'll end up paying out millions. They're able to uh, effectively quantify uh, what will happen if their advice is not followed. Uh, PR professionals, one of the challenges in public relations is quantifying the work that we do. Right. So uh, I, can, I can tell you that, that there will be a long-term effect, but I can't put a dollar figure on it. Well, one of the so, things to look at, though, Tim, when you agree is, is the long-term loss in terms of a brand value. Um, I, mean, I, I recognize it's still hard to quantify, but if your brand or your, your name is being drugged through the mud and you're worried about not saying anything, in lieu of taking the stance, which sounds like you took a very proactive stance, you position yourself near the, the law enforcement and, and fire command post, and you and you go out to the hospitals and you make some steps to. Granted, there was that legal side, you know, trying to trying to cover your bases too with the with the waiver went up, but you're but you're showing, hey, you know, we we are a victim, we're a part of this too, we're a part of your community, we're part of the fabric, and and really reinforcing that you you are a, a community member as opposed to the you know the hide and and, and wait till the um, the shock wave is over and then. You know, have that sense of public trust be diminished. Uh, you took a proactive step, and I don't. I don't know. It seems like too many um, companies they kind of uh, duck and, and hide instead of uh, saying, "Hey, you know, here's what we are, and here's here's how we're we're, we're resolving this thing." And and, and uh, you look at the crisis like 9/11 and how so many uh, entities uh, handled that. Some very poorly. Some 
you know, very effectively. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, we, we remember the, the way that um, Mayor Rudy Giuliani handled his part mm-hmm. very effectively. And, you know, even, even though the, sure, could the city have done more? Could the city have done, done less? Yeah, we can quarterback that all day long, but it's just the mere fact that he stood in the middle as, as a player. And, and again, it's a very moving event. But, you know, on a, on a smaller scale, your crisis was, was really no different, uh, just much more small scale. Right. True. Although I will say, oh, I apologize. No, go ahead. No, I mean, it was interesting because you brought up, and I was thinking about this as Tim was talking, you know, Tim can write the most magnificent, heartfelt, oh my God, I'm going to get these people on our team um, release that a spokesperson is supposed to read. But if you don't, you know, but delivery is everything. So if it's something where you're writing something or you're counseling someone on how to, um, how to present themselves, and they don't have that ability, then it's, it, that becomes a very, that becomes, you know, another sort of crisis situation is making sure that you can manage the people that you need to manage. You know, right. like, for example, like you mentioned 9-11, and this is just my opinion. Um, President Bush went down to 9-11, and he's so, he came off as so stoic and, and, and non-personable that it, people were still, they were scared. They needed to feel their leader was coming out and embracing them like a father. And then Clinton came down to ground zero and he was hugging people and kissing people and looking them in the eye and telling them, you know, I can't tell you if it's all going to be okay, but it'll, you know, we're not going to stop looking until we've gotten to the bottom of this. And, you know, have the same speech written for the same, for two different people. You really need to know who your client is and who's presenting as to how they're really going to present themselves to the public. And there brings in a very good point, uh, Brandy, and that was kind of the, the audience. Uh, I think at, at ground zero, your audience is, is very much the victims, but then there's that that greater audience of the nation as a whole that was looking for that that stoic, strong leader, and so that so and that Bush portrayed well, you know, his audience, you know, for the, in terms of the victims, he wasn't addressing that very well, and his audience in terms of trying to lead a nation out of crisis, he presented that very well, and uh, you know, that's just that's that's perspective, but again, it's knowing your audience, and, and in the case of of the. Uh, the uh, chlorine gas leak. I mean, right. Sounds like um, that Tim had several several audiences working with the employees that whose livelihood was on the lines, literally, based on how, the outcome of that event. Absolutely. And the community members are saying, "Hey, we we own houses here. We raise our children here. We want to be safe, and we want the plant to be mm-hmm. uh, dismantled or, or whatever you know deactivated." And you know, ha- walking that line, trying to serve both those communities, it, it's a difficult task. But it sounds like you, you did a fairly good job of that. Yeah. Thank you. You know, we I also I dealt uh, more recently uh, working at uh, uh, Paramount's Great America a theme park in Northern California uh, with two crises. Uh, we had two fatalities, ride-related fatalities at the park, uh, and those brought up an, a number of the things that you were talking about, including this issue of uh, of uh, leadership and and communications at the uh, at the top. I'll tell you one of the the outcome after our second fatality um, and doing research and doing focus groups and so on, we made a decision to uh, take our general manager, who uh, uh, was a very uh, a fairly warm woman, and uh, and make her the face of the of the theme park. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, her her name is, is Gail, and uh, we would you know there was Uncle Walt at Disney. We would refer to her as Auntie Gail. Uh, there you go. Uh, so we were, you know, we were looking at how do you, again, how do you communicate that? What's the appropriate emotion and how do you communicate that emotion? And as we were on the rebound from the second fatality, our goal was to uh, 
to really uh, take her and uh, use her as sort of a warm, caring figure who uh, who really had a, a, a special care for everyone who came to the park. Right. Uh, so to some degree, you, you had a sense that you could uh, trust the park because you could trust her. Okay, which is, which is great, but now you've got two. I mean, how close together were these two deaths? Well, they were almost exactly a year apart. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, uh, I mean, the, the first uh, fatality, uh, we had the anniversary of it. There were a few stories. And, uh, and then a couple of weeks later, we had our, our second fatality. Uh, the first, just to give you a quick top level, the first fatality was um, uh, a little less difficult to deal with. It was a, a 25-year-old man who had gone on a, a roller coaster at the park. And uh, during the ride, his wife's hat, she had a $10 ball cap, had come off. So he then uh, got off the ride, uh, went into a restricted backstage area, uh, came to an area of the, co- of the uh, coaster surrounded by uh, an eight-foot-high security fence. He scaled the fence. He saw the roller coaster train actually coming towards him, and he apparently, this is the word of people who were on it, he apparently raced to get the hat uh, instead oh of waiting God. and um, was hit in the head and, and, uh, and died instantly. Wow. So yeah, that, that was uh, a terrible sure. tragedy, but very quickly the, right. the media and I think people in general realized that um, it wasn't faulty it, equipment. It uh, wasn't right. It wasn't yeah. the cause of. It, it was a bad decision. On, not not a, to bring in levity in light of that, but it makes me uh, think of the Darwin Awards that, that go around <laughs> yeah, on the right. internet. You yeah, know, that's it's, true. It's yeah, really it's you know sheer stupidity to to cross all those barriers for. A ten dollar hat, you know, and right. we know it sounds like you know, there's every precaution that the park's taken to uh, to prohibit that kind of action, and the and the man, you know, basically went in the face of all those those obstacles and and did it anyway. Yeah, there were, um, you know, as the story continued, and it was a story that was uh, lasted for a few days, and of course the the media was saying, well, what changes are you going to make at the park? And we certainly right the key look, keep out signs bigger, you know. I'm sorry, yeah, uh, the, fence, yeah right. Or whatever, put a twenty foot fence up. Right, right. I mean, make the keep out signs bigger. You know? Right. But I, I mean, really. it, was, it was very. We certainly talked about some changes, and we made some. Uh, we did make some changes. For example, the uh, this uh, guest at the park um, spoke uh, very little English, mostly Spanish. So uh, we put up signs uh, that had not just words but uh, images, international figures. Uh, on all of our, our signage. However, you know, when you see an eight-foot-high fence surrounding a, a roller coaster, right. um, you know, I, I'm not sure that, a, uh, you know, a little picture of a man with a line crossed out would have stopped him from climbing the fence. No, no. And uh, I, we, no, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, what we, you know, <laughs> uh, what we ended up with, our, our real basic communications message was that the park is committed to the safety of all of our guests but we do expect that our guests will use common sense and good judgment when at the park. Well, and, and follow the rules. And that safety, really. Right. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it doesn't, this was not a matter of, you know, splitting hairs and maybe he should, maybe he shouldn't climb this fence. It was very obvious. It was stupid. Uh, but let me ask you a question. But I'm sure, even though it made a lot of sense, mm-hmm. and you guys weren't at fault, and you're easy to prove that you weren't at fault, at, fault, at the end of the day, I'm sure it, was, it still resounded the fact that there was a fatality at the park. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I think that um, I think that people who uh, who, who knew uh, a little bit about it, who maybe read a story or watched it on TV, uh, had the uh, the same reaction that, that Mick just had. That you know, this this guy was 
an what idiot. What a moron, right. Right. Uh, and, and I had many people who said to me he got what he deserved, which I thought was actually very harsh. Right. But I did get that. We did get that reaction. But you're absolutely right that the takeaway, especially as you go down the road uh, a few months or a year, and especially as you get further out, people right. who might uh, live outside of the San Francisco media market, uh, those people, the, the message they got is someone Distorted. died at the park. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's, the, that's the message. That's the challenge you have to deal with uh, going forward. So now you, you dealt with the, mess, you dealt with, um, the incident, the first fatality, almost two weeks after the first year anniversary, mm-hmm. um, and, and you had some press on that. What happens? Uh, we uh, have a, uh, had a ride there that uh, was called the Drop Zone. It was a free fall ride. It was uh, 200 feet high. Uh, and you you went up in it in seats that were essentially attached to the outside. Uh, they went up to the very top, and uh, and then the seats, you know, in a track, dropped right. down to towards the ground. Yep, I've seen. Uh, those. There was a a twelve year old disabled boy. He had uh, both mental and, and physical disabilities. Uh, he was at the park with his mother and a few other people. Um, he went up on the ride. Uh, his mother was watching him. Uh, as the ride came down, at some point he came out of the harness and he fell to his death in front of her. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. So that was that was a very very different sort of story, and as you can imagine, a much bigger bigger story. Yeah, the emotions are that surround that are yeah much more sympathetic. I'm sure. But how do you right. get around the fact that I mean, from what I understand, and I don't know how long ago this was, mm-hmm. you know, when you put the harness in, you can't release it until. A mechanism is pushed by the person that's controlling the ride. Right. We uh, we didn't we did not know how he came out of the harness. Uh, you know, in the uh, this ride, uh, we had had it for three or four years. Um, in that time, we quickly calculated how many people had ridden it, and, and the number was uh, you know was Big. a couple million. Right. And there were, I believe, 25 of these rides, identical or nearly identical, from the same manufacturer installed around the world. So something like, you know, something like 200 million people had, right. had been on this ride without a fatality or serious incident. Right. So it was clear that something, there was something that happened that was a fluke. Right. Uh, and that was one of the message points that we communicated. Uh, we didn't use the word fluke, uh, <laughs> but we talked about it being an anomaly. Right. Um, we we also communicated that we were re- investigating it, but we didn't know what had happened. Um, you know, one of these sort of obvious uh, lessons. You know, for, for me, uh, this was very challenging. I um, was at home relaxing on a Sunday. Got the call that, that this incident had happened. I I drove to the park, and as I'm on the freeway uh, driving there, I realize I'm behind one of the TV vans going to cover the story uh, live. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so I, I, we got there, quickly put together just a little bit of information, and then I, you know, I was the one facing the TV cameras and reporters and so on. Oh, wow. How, so, how uh, was that Which was uh, challenging, uh, but, but interesting. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, what we said is we just don't know what happened. Uh, oh, we're going to research yeah. it. We're going to find out. We're going to work with police and whoever else. Um, but, but we don't know. And we were very careful I was very, very careful not to speculate in any way. Uh, so that's something important. that, you know, reporters, of course, are going to ask that question. Well, what do you think happened? Well, I don't you know, know. What right. are the possibilities? Um, you know, what, what's the most likely, you know, cause? Um, and, 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 you know, we simply made sure we didn't get into it. How did you, how did you, how did you posture your statements? 
Um, you know, we were, uh, at this point, we, again, communicated our, um, you know, our, our sympathy, our sorrow uh, for the family. Um, it was, uh, you know, it was a very sort of complicated situation. Uh, as it turned out, this, this family had uh, many issues going on. They were well known to the police. Um, uh, they... Uh, Without going into detail, they were sort of a uh, messed up family. Okay. <laughs> um, and this um, boy's mother was uh, very uh, emotional, extremely emotional. Uh, on camera, uh, she would uh, she cried. She got very angry. Uh, I think she had a very very special love for her son, mm-hmm. uh, in part because of his disabilities. Okay. Uh, so you're saying she was likable by. I, the viewing I audience? think people had. I think people may have had mixed reactions to her. Okay. Um, she because could she be so very likable, uh, as you saw her crying and talking about her son. But as that sort of um, anger came out of her, I, I uh, and and she did not, um, you know, quite honestly, as we're we're talking about public relations, mm-hmm. she did not make a good visual impression. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, she she, uh, you know, she she. It was, was not unkempt. an attractive woman. She was heavy set. She mm-hmm. um, she didn't dress in a in a manner that communicated credibility. Um, so there were there were some some mixed issues going on there, um, which we were not that concerned about. We were concerned about really trying to find out what had happened, what went wrong, uh, and and as time went on, we still had no we still had no answer. Okay, uh, to what had happened. But, but we clearly had to start communicating something. Right. And so uh, as we sort of, you know, we sort of, we actually spent, I think, a couple of days at one point putting together a release uh, that explained, to the best of our understanding, the factors that may have been involved in, in, the, uh, in the accident. Right. And, uh, also- and at the same time, of course, we did things like we shut down the ride. Uh, we actually uh, ended up closing the park early uh, the day of that, that uh, accident. Okay. Um, we, uh, uh, you know, we, we reached out to the community. We were uh, talking to elected officials. Um, you know, we were, had our customer service people dealing with calls to the park. You know, is it safe to come to the park now? Right, uh, right. You know, how did the boy die? Uh, those were questions which everyone in the park, uh, had you know, to had know, to know the right them. answer. Right. right. Absolutely. Cause they're all and of course we line. also had to communicate internally. Uh, one of the things that, that we did that's common in, in crises like this is we brought in a, uh, a counselor um, who uh, did uh, uh, group sessions with anyone who wanted to at the park uh, to talk about their, their feelings uh, uh, at the incident. Well, I mean, that's, that's generous. I mean, because at the end of the day, and it's unfortunate because, again, we are coming so short on time. Right. Um, but, you know, it, it is interesting because you can't come out and say to people as much as it makes sense, you know, wow, this ride's been in existence at our park for three to four years. We've never had an issue. We've run millions of people through here. There's 25 of them all over the world. They've never had a problem. Like, this is a pretty low failure rate. We should feel good there's only been one, you know, problem. But, well, you know, yeah. one of the, the uh, frustrations, one of the things that I, I wanted to communicate uh, from a personal point of view, and, of course, it didn't make sense professionally, um, you know, people somehow thought that if they came to the park, they were protected from the laws of nature, right. uh, that, that you go to the park and, uh, and you're, you're guaranteed, absolutely guaranteed to be safe in every way. 
Uh, the truth is that there, um, there are dangers, however slight, in everything that you do. Oh, 100%. And everyone needs to proceed at their own risk. Absolutely. Know? And despite mm-hmm. our, our, our very best abilities, uh, and, and the park was really committed to, to safety, um, despite those best abilities, uh, there were dangers. Uh, you know, you could fall into the water and drown. You could fall off from a, a ride from a great height. Uh, or even no something what we silly, do. like that hat that went off the, you know, the, the, the wife of the man who died, you right. know? I mean, that hat could have come flying off her head and, and, you know, could have hit someone funny. I mean, you just, you never know. I mean, just in life, you never know. But you I, do never know. And when really, you know, at the park, we would often talk about the number of guests who had been at the park since it opened in 1976 and our safety record, which was really excellent. Um, but, it, you know, it's not perfect. I mean, you get on a plane and, and you fly somewhere, and you understand that planes do sometimes crash. Or, or you know what, the focus is always on the planes. What about the automobile crashes every day? Right. But, um, unfortunately, guys, this is horrible. We've <laughs> we're come, out of time. We're we, again, aren't we, Brandy? We are, but we're gonna have, we'll have Tim back another. We can, we can hook Tim in. Uh, I think so. Have him down, down the road a couple of weeks. We'll get you back in, Tim. Uh, yeah, I would love that. It's just it's always a, a pleasure talking to uh, to the two of you. Hey, thank you, thank Kim. you. And I learn from you every time you're on the air, man. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's awesome. We enjoy having Tim. Um, you guys, something new to the network. We are now offering podcasting. People in little pods will be coming to your homes and whispering in your ear. <laughs> but um, but um, that's what I think of when I think of podcasting. Anyway, but you will be able to hear Tim and all of his amazing tips. Um, and, and case studies on, um, on crisis management and Mick and myself um, via podcasting and archives. You can listen to it uh, time-shifted whenever and however you want, as many times as you want, because Tim's got some great information. So uh, thank you. Those are two awesome case studies. And, uh, I Very think, awesome. You know, Very I think good. really what we learned is be prepared, understand your audiences, understand that you have multiple audiences, and um, you know, keep your legal staff happy. While still keeping your integrity. <laughs>